Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. And Julie, we're working on part two two of our articles or our podcasts on um, the housing crash, right? Yes. The housing crash. The alleged housing crash. That's right. I know. Everyone loves to have those big salacious headlines, including yours truly, to be honest with you. You know, it makes people pay attention. Nothing like a good salacious headline, but the reality of it is, is, well, what we're, I think, um, going to take the balanced approach in presenting to all of you is there's not only no housing crash on the horizon, but there really isn't even the workings of a housing crash. I can't even say it. Exactly. (laughs) Even on the distant horizon. I mean, we were going to try to stay neutral as we presented these topics, acting like uh, we had not actually made our minds up that there was or wasn't going to be a crash. But I think at this point, they already know we don't think there's going to be one. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we've broken this into uh, bite-sized pieces, and we're presenting this information to you in such a way, ideally, that you're then going to be able to present this to your um, your real estate uh, clients. Let me make sure everything's working on the technology side. Yes, it is. So the the idea here is this content is going to live on timandjulieharris.com, and you can take these points and you can then share them with your real estate clients. A lot of you guys do your own podcasts and newsletters, and you're twittering and you're facebooking and you're tweeting. I mean, some of you might want to do a little what's it called that little thing where they dance on the app. What's it called? I can't even say it. <laughs> exactly. But maybe they want to actually do a little dance as they're reading off the points from the podcast today. Okay. I'm not even it's really all right. sure. We Whatever, can make it right? fun. <laughs> exactly. So look, these points are designed to help you to be educated and then to be motivated knowing that there's no uh, storm clouds on the foreseeable horizon. And we're going to counterbalance our points the best we can just so that, um, you know, we're not just painting. We're not just essentially uh, preaching from only one side of the the, uh, the, the book, if you will. And the bottom line here is get this information, get this content, and then be able to share this information with other people. And some of you, and this is the reason, the main reason Julie and I were presenting this information, not only are all the uh, doom and glimmers coming out of the uh, woodwork, and as they always do every uh, year this time of year, at least for the past 10 years, as housing was really appreciating. Um, but there's all kinds of people that are going to try to sell you to get an REO lists and all these other things. And, uh, but here's the real problem. I mean, that, that in its side, that, is a problem is easily handled because Julie and I will just obviously always tell you when the snake oil salesmen are back in town. And of course, this time of year, they always are trying to sell you things that you don't need. But the real reason we're presenting this is because we kept on hearing from a lot of you that you personally had some head junk about your uh, mindset selling houses to your buyers because you were thinking that you are going to sell them into some sort of exploding market. And as a result of that, even if you're still you know, out there doing real estate, you're not going to necessarily do it as enthusiastically as if you're thinking you're obviously selling something to somebody that might actually cause them harm, right? You're, you know, that makes, it's per- it's it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, obviously you sell a house to somebody because they need a place to live. At the end of the day, housing is the ultimate, you know, practical use uh, argument for something you're going to invest in, right? I mean, more so than anything else. But really, it's very difficult to be really enthusiastic about doing it if you think that the people that you're selling a house to might get harmed. And I think you're going to be feeling a lot better after you listen to these points. And today, we're going to be talking about why it's not crashing, why housing's not crashing, and we're going to lean into the specific topic of demographics. Yes. So we started this last Friday, and we were talking specifically about 
the differences in the mortgage situation, you know, now versus the previous boom. So we're splitting this out by specific topics. Friday was all about uh, mortgages. Today is all about demographics. Now, before I read this first little bit, I want to prequel this with, if you are not talking to people in your database, all of your friends, your past clients, your centers of influence, and virtually everyone you run into about these points, you are missing out on opportunity. Remember, on Friday, we reported that NAR reported one in 10 people will be moving this year. Yep. So you just have to find them. For example, over the past month, the phrase, quote, when is the housing market going to crash? Saw a 2,540% increase in Google searches. That's pretty staggering, right? According to a report on CNBC, our series of podcasts, again, will answer this question for you with lots of different facets, why this time is not like last time regarding a housing boom cycle. But that 2,540% increase, the point of making them sure that they know that is that that's what's on people's minds. Now, maybe 2,000% of, of that was from realtors. I don't know. But it's on everybody's mind, so you better let, let be talking sure. about it's, it. It's funny yeah. that you should use a Google search statistic uh, mm -hmm. to validate that this is something on people's minds. I was listening to Peter Schiff's uh, podcast mm -hmm. when I was going on my run walk this morning, and uh, he was talking about a huge increase in people searching about inflation. Ah, yes. Yes, and it was something mm -hmm. similar. Some hand in hand, right? Yeah, yeah, it is interesting, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. So there's a quote from uh, Ben Carlson. That's with an L. This is Ben Carlson. He's the director of institutional asset management at a wealth management uh, place, not Ben Carson. It sounds the same. He's the formal, pr former presidential candidate. So here's the quote from Ben Carlson. Do you know Ben uh, Carl, the former presidential candidate? He also was in charge of HUD. HUD, yes. Yeah, isn't that funny? Sounds like him, but different yeah. Ben. Uh, okay, so he said, like all previous generations, millennials got older. They decided to settle down and buy a home, even though it seemed like that would never happen following the great financial crisis. Well, a combination of the pandemic, remote work, and low interest rates have all pushed even more people to start the buying uh, start buying houses. He said, just because prices are rising does not automatically make something a bubble. Sometimes prices rise for good reasons. You might not like those reasons, but it's not the same thing as a speculative mania. So I think he, he put that, you know, well to make the well, difference. Let's hover off there just mm -hmm. because people need to understand. Like when sure. Julie and I bought our first house and, and everything, <laughs> our daughter <laughs> asked us if everything was in black and white when we were kids. <laughs> I know. She says back in the olden times. Yeah, she's seven and a half. That's so funny. I know. But back when everything was in black and white in the yes. olden times and Julie and I bought our first house and this was basically 30 years ago, we first got married, <laughs> the house cost, how much did it cost? Seventy-one five seventy-five. And the last time it had sold prior to that, which was like twenty years prior to that, I mean, it was we bought a flip, but basically the people that uh, sold it had paid something like a dollar ninety-nine for it. Right. Now you could argue that when somebody bought the house for, let's say, they originally sold for five thousand, and then maybe it sold for, mm -hmm. you know, when they bought, maybe they bought it for thirty-five thousand, and they fixed it up, and Julie and I bought it for seventy thousand. You could argue, I mean, and that was over a good long, a uh, uh, good period of time. Mm -hmm. Well, they're in a bubble. That housing market's in a bubble. It's in a bubble because it's rapidly inflating and rapidly appreciating. Well, that house now, as shocking as this it is to say, it's probably worth about two thirty. Yeah. I mean, two thirty to two forty, which is amazing. You know, two eighty East Jeffrey four three two one four postage stamp. It totally. It was yeah. well, seven hundred and fifty square feet. Seven thirty six. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys get the point. So the uh, just because things increase in cost 
has uh, it, it, it doesn't mean it's going to basically have a quick devaluation in cost. It, that is not how life works in a lot of way, uh, reasons. And yes, the housing bubble uh, was a result of a, spe a speculative mania, as it were, just sort of like, you know, you could argue cryptocurrency is going through something similar right now. But that's not what's actually happening in housing. What you're seeing in housing and what this point is today about demographics is the demographics actually are in the favor of housing prices, not just staying strong, but getting stronger. That's right. It's called simple supply and demand. Now, before we start getting into this demographics, we're kind of throwing that term around. There might be people that don't know what that actually means. So from Investopedia, demographic analysis is the study of a population based on factors like age, race, and sex. Demographic data refers to socioeconomic information expressed statistically, including things like employment, education, income, marriage rates, birth and death rates, and more. In other words, it's putting numbers on what's actually happening and fueling some trends. Now, why does this matter? Point number one, millennials are entering the housing market in huge numbers. They are older than we've thought of them for a long time. I think the <laughs> oldest millennial now is uh, 40. turning 40 this year. Yeah. Well, so. and also you have Generation Z too, which are starting yes. to follow the millennials and they're That's buying. Right. And it's fascinating too, when you look at the sheer numbers, it's like a, it's like a Christmas tree, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas yeah. the, uh, the generations that are following the generations, like Generation X, ours is really small. Millennials mm -hmm. is really huge. Yep. And supposedly Generation Z is even larger. Yes. Because for every two millennials, they're having a tendency to make two children or three children and That's it right. gets and bigger and bigger and growing. bigger. Yep. That's right. So point number two, millennials seek bigger spaces, lower density, and more privacy no matter what percentage of the world gets vaccinated. They are largely in family formation mode and looking for a place to buy. This is just a fact. Many of you listening know this because you're working with them. Number three, they are, you just mentioned this, a huge generation. Millennials, whom we define as ages 23 to 38, this was from 2019, so now it's like 25 to 40, numbered 72 million. Boomers, which were aged 55 to 73, were close to that, 71 million. Generation X, our generation, was about 65 million and projected to pass the boomers in population by 2028 because the boomers are starting to pass away. So uh, Forbes wrote, here's a quote, Current demographics are very favorable to a sustained housing boom, especially in the wake of the pandemic and as more millennial households enter into prime home buying age and start families. More and more households are also demanding more space as they work from home more frequently and invest more in things like home offices and gyms. Finally, home building is still playing catch up. We're going to do a segment on new construction. Mm -hmm. uh, as housing supply remains tight from a homeowner's refinancing and staying put in their homes longer. Okay. So what is that saying? People are searching out for those houses. Millennials are gobbling them up. They're forming their families. This is, again, all about supply and demand. Let's take a breath. So um, the thing also to remember as you're going through these points is that did, the people are buying and selling now. Mm -hmm. uh, I No doubt the, fuel, uh, the low interest rates are fueling the momentum. But people will still buy and sell. I'm reading your next point. People are still going to buy and sell no matter what the interest rates are. That's true. Uh, we were talking about 280 East Jeffrey. We had an interest rate of 7% on that thing. Mm -hmm. And people congratulated us. And back when our parents purchased their homes back in the 70s, those things were double-digit interest rates. And people, and, were still and people were congratulating them. Right? When someone wants to sell a house and someone wants to buy a house. So you, you got to remember, a lot of us have grown up in an era 
and I'm growing up in markets where basically buying a house was seen like, uh, you know, having the winning Willy Wonka golden ticket, right? Where you get to go to the char- uh, the chocolate factory. But that's not housing. That's not really the, the real function of housing, though it does work out to be the single best investment vehicle for the average American by far. I mean, the average home in America in just first quarter of 2021 has appreciated in real numbers by $35,000, right? So that is something that's phenomenal as, as far as a wealth creation. It's like different. having another part-time job. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, the thing that boggles the mind when I Mm -hmm. was just saying that and thinking it as I was saying it, that $350,000 house that's appreciated by $35,000 this month, or or the first three quarters roughly of this year, I bet you the total carrying costs of that house was about what it had appreciated in first quarter. Yeah, you understand? That's right. So I bet you Your to head. live in that house for an entire 12 months cost you, including maintenance and upkeep and insurances and Mickey Mouse and property taxes and assuming it's not paid off, even a principal and interest payment. Mm-hmm. I bet you your total carrying cost for a $350,000 house, assuming you put like maybe 10 or maybe 15% down, is no more than $36,000 a year. I bet tops, I'm right about that. Tops, right. Tops, yeah. So you are right now, your house is essentially paid for itself in first quarter and you're living in that house the rest of the year for free. That's right. And, and guys, that's the thing that does. That's not a normal thing, you understand, which goes to the reason why so many people are realizing that buying house, buying a, a real estate, and remember, we told you also people are getting, they're starting to tune in. The average normal human is starting to realize there's something weird going on with prices of things, not just housing prices, but commodity prices, gas prices. Julie's going to talk about the cost of lumber, the cost of all these things. And, the, and don't say COVID. COVID's not creating the inflation. There's a lot of other factors that we're going to talk about on a very soon upcoming podcast with regards to the inflation's effect on real estate. But at the end of the day, all of these things combined with the demographics are going to continue to push real estate up at a you know even a more of a, a, a quicker rate, frankly. And people are saying, oh, it can't last forever. We're going to run into a supply problem. No, what's going to happen in this in a mm-hmm. supply and demand economy is that there's going to be sellers. Like we have two friends here mm-hmm. who basically had uh, unsolicited offers on their property yes. and had no intention of selling. Basically door knockers, at, not not realtors. but Well, we got a letter in the mail. And we got, right. yeah. Yeah. And, and like if... They made us an offer we couldn't refuse. Though truthfully, I don't think someone could because where would we go? Exactly. But I mean, but at the end, but at the end of the day, uh, if there is a certain number, like our friend Chris, he got sure. a number on his house. He said, "I had no intention. We were going to live here in Puerto Rico for quite some time, but we just got an offer we couldn't refuse, so we're going to take it." Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's right. And so that was but, my point at the top of but, this. But that's what happens in a supply and demand economy. <clears throat> is that what happens? It takes care of itself. And I know, you know, it, it happens in all price ranges. There's a point where sellers just say, "You know what? I was going to sell sometime." in the future, I'm going to, you know, in Chris's example, I'm not going to sell it in five years. I'm going to sell it now. And that's how the, there's not, there's not going to be a peaking of the market because of all of a sudden there's a lack of inventory. New inventory will come available as essentially it becomes more financially attractive to our seller to sell. That's exactly right. And that is what we're seeing. We have example after example from coaching clients in various markets where what you just described seems to have become motivational to sellers, right? Well, I wasn't going to do anything, but if you can bring me that number, well, yeah, I'll figure it out. So my point at the top of this podcast was, I mean, if people are searching what's going on with the housing market and you're not the one talking to them about it, then you're missing out. And don't come crying to us when you find out somebody in your magic special super secret database has decided to sell. Well, let's let's actually tell them a real life coaching story, right? Sure. So um, you and I were going on a walk as we were apt to do, mm-hmm. you know, a six mile walk around the Rockefeller trail, nature trail. And we got a call, a panic, 
uh, text actually from one of your personal coaching mm-hmm. clients, and this gal was in Austin, and mm-hmm. she basically was. I'll set it up, then you can it's give okay. the advice part, right? Sure. She was really upset because she was losing listings that she perceived should have been hers, her centers of influence and past clients, mm-hmm. but also the neighborhood in which she lives, which were a lot of neighbor uh, centers of influence and past clients. Just some interloper in her mind, some gal had just moved from California to Austin and was door knocking and was getting her listings away from her, right? In essence, that was her mindset, which is understand understandable, and she. Could couldn't believe that these sellers in her marketplace were so disloyal to her. So what did you tell her? Yeah, well, why was that? It's because there's, you know, an inventory shortage. And so people are getting proactive, like the interloper from California with a Texas real estate license who went uh, calling and door knocking. But the gal from California was Mm -hmm. using a simple script by simply telling these strangers when she was knocking on the door. Well, this happened to be an expired that expired at 11 Ah. million about a year and a half ago. And that was Basically pre-COVID, and you know, our client had had a conversation with that seller. If you can't get me 11 million, I'm not interested. Okay, fine. We'll take a break for a while, and we'll we'll revisit it. Goes into the database, gets some mailings, whatever. Okay, so then a California person comes into Austin Market, as many of them are with their California buyers, and is looking for something specific. So she calls the 11 million dollar expired and says, "My client is willing to pay 20. Are you interested in selling?" <laughs> Seller says, "Why, well, yes, I think I would." <laughs> okay, just maybe, uh, just maybe. And and this is not an isolated story. This is happening a lot in Austin, a lot in Nashville, in Florida and other markets. So uh, our client was mortified because this should have been her transaction and because she had assumed that because it expired at 11 million a year and a half ago, that there's no way we were gonna do that. Well, so this inspired her to start actually calling her people and saying, are you interested in what we can likely get you in today's well, market? We basically, when we were on that walk, the three of us essentially yeah. said, well, here's your script. Call up everyone you know and ask them if they, they would like you know, to sell the house. Worth. They'd like to sell their house for probably, in many cases, double what they paid and sometimes more. Which is based on real closings. Right. That's not speculative. So right. she had to go armed with some actual examples. So listeners, if you don't have exactly double, then don't promise that. Maybe 20% is enough to get somebody to move. But the point is that not everybody knows what their home is actually worth in today's market. Now, fast forward to when she was actually making those calls. And this is not something she was super comfortable doing, but this was a nice catalyst to get her to pick up the phone. Okay, so she was calling into one of those neighborhoods that she's had lots of closings in, somebody from her past client database, and that person said, you know, had you known that my house could get that price and you didn't tell me, not only would I not be a client of yours, but we wouldn't be friends anymore. Right. So isn't that an interesting difference between how many agents think that call is going to go? Well, because- And, and they... she even said, well, what does that do to your plans? I mean, we've got to find you someplace to live. And she goes, if you can get me that number, I will figure it out. The agent was thinking about themselves. Right. Right, not thinking about the now customer. she's turned that ship around. Sure, and, she has, and she's been fine. But it, it is a fascinating uh, situation that like people think that somehow the market's just going to be oh the market shut down, no more houses for sale. Right, as that if. that really isn't how market forces are going to uh, play out. That's they never play out that way. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to have a lot of but but here's the I mean I don't want to jump on future shows, but the reality of it is. You know, you're going to have new construction that's coming online. You're going to have all kinds of different types of just different things that, that happen because there is a demand. There's a huge demand and the demand is increasing because if you guys think about it, you have demand forces from basically both sides of the sort of the yield curve. If you want to financial use financial terms, right? So you've got baby boomers that are some of them. There's three waves of baby boomers and the youngest wave of baby boomers, which is slightly older than Julie and I by like 10 years. They're in the process of some cases buying second homes, buying third homes in some cases, or just moving up to another home. And then the generations that are uh, you know prior to, or older than them, 
they're uh, downsizing. They're, so they're going in the opposite direction. Then you got G uh, Generation X and a lot of Generation X people, they're still in that moving up, moving, mostly moving up uh, time of life. And then you have the, you know, the, all the younger generations we've just discussed. So you have all of this movement that's going backwards and forwards and all this housing demand. And because the sheer number of people that are out there that want to actually transact. The that, demand. And what we're experiencing now, and I've heard people say, as soon as interest rates go up, the world's going to come to an end in the real estate world. No, it's yeah. absolutely not. This train has long since left the station with regards to demographics, and it's just going to pick up momentum. And I'll tell you something else that's really changed. You can't really encapsulate this into a standalone show. But the mindset about housing, um, I think it's shown itself after almost as a result of the housing crash over 10 years ago. It's shown it to be an incredibly resilient, um, yes. dare I say, investment. Right? I think you're right. Because there were a lot of people that the, you know, were all basically days of housing being part of the American dream are over. I remember all these sort of, you know, I don't even want to be political, but all these types of articles that were hitting the news. Well, I will. Socialist type articles that were hitting the news. Government needs to socialize housing. Housing's gotten out of price. The average person, all this stuff piled on after the housing uh, crash. The, the great, you know, it's no longer power. The housing, now people are just going to live VRBO. They're going to move from one house to the other. All these sharing economy. I don't know if you guys remember all that. Uh, whatever happened to the sharing economy anyway? We're all going to live on a commune together. I don't know. Why, exactly. That's where yeah. it came from. Well, then then you had this, uh, yeah, then what happened is people said, you know what? Um, housing prices are, like, everyone's fearful of buying a house. Mm -hmm. And no one wants to buy a house in 2007, 2008. Then, like, the second half of 2009, things started to get spicy again. But for seven and eight, and really the first half of nine, buying a house, you, people would have laughed at you. Why are you buying a house? And then all of a sudden, the prices got cheap enough that and people mm -hmm. said, you know what? I need more room or I need less room. I want to live in this area versus that area. And then all of a sudden, the momentum started. And look what happened. Look how fast it became a housing boom with the higher mortgage standards. It became a housing boom with people needing to put more money down. And rates were higher then too. So you can say there was a housing crash, but it really only, it sorted itself out really quick in, in about three years, but it didn't sort itself out really quick uh, after three years because all of a sudden mortgages became easier to get. It was just the opposite. That was demand driven. Yes, you guys the get the difference? Came back. Right. And, you know, statistically, a lot of people have shown that if you did have a foreclosure or a short sale, but you were once a homeowner, all those people were had the impetus to go back and they wanted to buy a house again too. And there's been enough time and enough credit correction that that's part of the demand as well. Yep. So a couple more points, then we'll wrap. Number four, the new batch of motivated buyers are able to lock in super low interest rate mortgage loans with significant down payments, thus negating much of the risk of defaults. Now that's kind of uh, halfway between a demographic point and what we talked about with mortgages. But the point is that if there's less risk of default, then there's re less risk of a housing crash. Okay, now I thought this was this next point was interesting. This was from an economist that said easy credit fueled the housing boom of 2005 to 2008. Easy credit, right? Cheap credit fuels today's market. There's a big difference. The fundamentals today are more sound, according to, again, virtually every economist. And common sense, by and the way. And not to mention common sense. Yeah, I mean, right? you put exactly. a big chunk of money down, you're not going to just voluntarily default. And, and realistically, True. you know, the amount of down payment that are that's required, if you guys just look at like a house that's 350, and let's say, you know, 15 years ago, that same house was, say, 200000 the probability of there being that level of depreciation, I mean, no. any meaningful depreciation where people wipe out, wipe out their down payments. But remember, people still need houses to live in. And, and again, here's here's the finer point I was, I don't think, 
very effectively making a second ago. Now that people know that housing will come back, even if there is a drop in prices, lessens the likelihood there'll ever be a drop in prices because people know that on the other side of this, you know, housing hardship, there's going to be, it's going to come back. So people are going to be more likely to hold on to their housing, even if in certain markets, there is some sort of depreciation wave, which we're not uh, anticipating. Right. But you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I've had a couple of coaching calls where, you know, we're we're getting to the time of year where uh, school's letting out, people are starting to do vacations. And there's been some listings that, oh, my gosh, they sat for a weekend, you know. And, and so these agents think, oh, no, things are changing because it sat for a weekend. Totally different. Well, okay. Julie, it is kind it's of freakish okay. to think that most of the agents listen to our podcast. And this is the number one listen to yeah. daily coaching podcast for agents in mm-hmm. probably the world. Yep. Have never sold in the normal market. Well, that's what I'm saying is that a temporary slowdown feels more dramatic than right. it is. But they have no so clue. They don't have any comparison. That's right. why we're trying to educate them. Yes. Okay. So uh, last point is a little bit different. We're going to get off of the millennial thing for a second, but still demographic. Uh, point number five, there is no, quote, silver tsunami of new listings as was once anticipated. Baby boomers are indeed retiring, passing away, and downsizing. But the success of VRBO, that's vacation rental by owner, home away, and Airbnb, has taken a big bite out of otherwise available homes for sale. I've seen statistics as high as... Uh, between 30 and 35% of would-be listings are not happening because they're not putting them on the market. They're keeping them. This is a factor keeping inventory low, prices continuing to climb. Again, supply and demand is the story here. There's some great books. Um, one of the books Julie and I read way back in the 90s, I maybe it was, no, actually it was the early 2000s. So it was The Great Boom Ahead by Harry S. Dent. Mm-hmm. And there was another one called The Roaring 2000s. Maybe I got those in the opposite order. Maybe one came with the other. But if you guys really want to have a real good crash course in understanding the importance of demographics and how ultimately demographics are, is really it's the most powerful force in the, in the marketplace, more powerful than cheap money or interest rates or all the rest of it. It's demographics. It's the actual supply and demand, you know, created by actual people wanting to actually, you know, buy and sell, right? Exactly. So read those books by Harry S. Dent, The Great Boom Ahead and the Roaring 2000s. Very fascinating. Julie and I read, I don't remember which one, when we were in real estate. And I remember he was talking about the fact that there would be big, huge, um, what would it be? He was talking about the fact that people were going to move from the snow states to the warm weather states. Mm, yes. He was talking about the fact that there was going to be more activity and more opportunity in the higher price markets, not just real estate, but in other things mm-hmm. as well. And he was talking about all these things that actually played out. So as yeah. a demographer, his stats were amazing. He's pretty accurate. Yeah, it's crazy He's accurate. Great and, I, and you and I took his business advice and, and we made a lot of business decisions, not just for selling real estate sake, but also our subsequent businesses too, sure. uh, with regards to following the demographic trends. You know, mm-hmm. you know. So at the end of the day, guys, this stuff matters. It matters perhaps more than anyone talks about. And the reason a lot of people don't like to pontificate about demographics is it's kind of, it's kind of boring. It's a little dry. But, but also you can't like manipulate it, right? You know, if you have yeah. 64 billion people who most likely statistically are going to be transacting in the next 10 years, I mean, what are you going to say? All of a sudden, those people aren't going to transact because their mindset about housing is just going to well, sort because of... Because an interest rate went up by exactly. a quarter point? No, I don't think so. So yes, you have to pay attention to this because, you know, the thing I like, you know, of course, I'm analytical and I would like something like this, but I like the demographics because of what you said. They are pure, they are factual, they're numbers-based, and they're immune to things like COVID. All these facts have been facts with or without a pandemic. Right. And then you add the pandemic to the icing to the cake, and maybe, you know, a certain percentage might have found their motivation during that to, to maybe move states or move cities or, you know, get a different kind of house. 
But all of these things were true even before that. Absolutely. So listen, guys, um, it, what's really, what really matters now is you know that you're in the right place at the right time. You are in the right place at the right time in the right industry, right? You've done all the smart moves. Now you have to be making the most of this. If you feel yourself emotionally looking for headwinds, if you feel yourself emotionally uh, like you're somehow um, not in the right place at the right time, that's a, the, these podcasts, the series of podcasts, hell, our coaching program is designed to get your get your mind your mindset right because you are doing the right thing you are listening to a podcast that's going to hopefully give you the education and the motivation to put you in a position to help more people don't let this opportunity get by you and another opportunity all of you want to seriously consider is joining julie and i at exp royalty yes julie and i are at exp royalty yes we'd love to talk to you about being our uh, us being your sponsor if you want to read more about our exp royalty group just go to whylibertas.com why as an eight w-h-y libertas l-i-b-e-r-t-e-l-i-b-e-r-t-a-s so it's whylibertas.com and you can read more about our revenue share group or of course if you're ready to join today you can just call me directly which is five i'm sorry don't call me <laughs> did i just say call you did this is what happens when i work it's out right before the podcast blows up. <laughs> exactly no text me Text me if you're ready to join EXP today, 512-758-0206. Actually, if you call, it goes right to voicemail. So do text me if you're ready to join EXP today, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day, um, and we're looking forward to presenting the rest of this, what we think is very interesting information. If you want to get our, our, our notes from today's show, please go to timandjulieharris.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>